0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we share insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today, I am joined once again by the lovely Amy Kuo, who is founder of Author Brand Studio, where she's a brand designer and strategist for businesses that are ready to grow into brands. Welcome back, Amy. Thanks so much, Tammy. Excited to be back. Cool. So listeners, if you caught the last episode, Amy and I talked about brand positioning and the impact that can have on your business. So definitely have a listen to that one. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and then in this episode, Amy is going to be sharing her business journey and brand story so far. So grab your cuppa and let's do this. So Amy, I'd love to start with the story behind your business. What was it that inspired you to set up Author Brand Studio? Depression. <laughs> nice. Good start. Yeah. I can you know. relate.
1: <laughs> I, so, so back in back in college, I had always dreamed of having my own studio but I really, I really wanted a career. I've always been a career girl, like always from when I was a kid, just wanted to be successful doing the things that I loved, you know, making money, doing what I loved most importantly. So, um, so uh, so I left college and I guess I'm diving into the story now, but I left college, started the career path. And then, um, I went through some family, um, some family traumas in 2017 and found myself, Burdened with depression and anxiety, I this this was about four years ago at this point. But I was crying every morning before going to work, even though my job was fine and my team was really um, my team was really supportive and everything. But I just I just couldn't perform at a nine to five. I couldn't focus. I couldn't show up for work on time, and it was just interfering with my ability to give my best to my job. And so I left <laughs> and. It just I basically just jumped off the cliff with one client who only sent me a few, maybe two or three small projects up to that point. I literally started the business with nothing. So I, I was just in a bad place with my mental health and I needed to jump off that
0: cliff and hope that there was a net at the bottom. I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Cause I can appreciate from experience how hard that mm-hmm. can feel. Um, and like, I know, like, seeing your success and seeing your business as it is now, I always find it interesting when, and just the sheer number of businesses that were started because of the impact, Mm -hmm. like, their current situation, whether that was corporate, whatever, was having on mental health, and yeah, I can relate to the whole jumping off the cliff and just hoping for the best. (laughs) So, when it came to making the decision to leave, did you find so basically for a bit of context because I find that this is quite a key point that comes up again and again for people who are either looking to start their business or kind of on the verge and doing a side hustle or trying to work out if self-employment's right for them how how did you make that decision to go from full-time employment to um to doing your own business and why did you choose a business rather than freelance
1: yeah. That, ooh, that's a good question. Um, so the actual process was, I think it was about two to three months. Um, so I, I had just come back from Christmas break. So my office had been closed um, for the week between Christmas and New Year's. And so I came back and was just like, I just don't want to go back. I just, I can't do it. And so then I really started to spend my downtime, you know, nosing around Pinterest you know, reading about other entrepreneurs who started their business and it just seemed so appealing. There was just a lot of freedom in that it sounded like. And I really just wanted to, you know, get to experience that freedom of what, what could it be like to do my own thing, to be my own boss, to have this freedom and flexibility, but it really, so the the actual jumping off point, it was something that I had wanted to do and I've been thinking maybe someday it would be a good time, but I mean, we had just bought a house my husband was barely making anything. It was not great timing, but it was just so bad that I, I I mean, I I was suicidal at that point. And my husband was like, you're, you're leaving. He's like, we're, so I, I took like a week break. Um, I called him sick for a week at work. My, my manager knew what was up. It was hard to disguise it, but she was really sweet. And you know, gave me that time. And then just even having that break, I was like, this is what I need to do. Like I need to get out of here. Again, it was not the job. It was me. I, I needed a break and I think having that realization. And so for me, there literally was no other option, but to jump off that cliff. Definitely not a recommended course of action. I always tell people, please don't do that. But for me, it was, it was code red. Like I, I literally had no other option. I could not stay and keep doing what I was doing. I had to jump off and hope that it would work out somehow in the end. And I think the decision to start a business came because I was like, well, you know, especially versus freelancing, I actually really, I technically thought of myself as a freelancer, even though I did do the LLC and become like a formal business as soon as I started, I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. But I really still felt like a freelancer and I treated myself and saw myself as a freelancer for a while. But I always knew like, okay, if if this is what I'm doing, like, I, I always knew that going, and I still know going back to working for somebody else in a corporate or hired capacity is, is not in the cards for me, at least for the foreseeable future. I, really value the freedom of being my own boss and getting to dream of what I want my business to be. And I think I had that dream early on. I think I, I can always, I've always been a big visionary where I can always imagine what I want the future to look like and where I want to go. And and so I think for me, having that vision was really key because that did lead me to say, I'm going to set this up as a business. It's going to be a separate financial account from my personal account. I need to keep the channels clear. That's really important. I'd like to grow a team someday. So I had I had some of the vision kind of sketched out, and so that did lead me to say I'm going to start this business because again, I was like I I'm not going back to full time. Like I I can't. I I just don't think you know. I every job I've ever been in, I've cried multiple times at the office. I'm just a very sensitive person, and my mental health is always kind of up and down. And so I think I that was the breaking point for me to realize I I need to strike it out on my own. And so if I'm going to do this, then this is going to be my thing. And so I need to make this a business instead of just freelancing on the side.
0: That's really interesting. And I'd love to know kind of One of the key objections I hear from people who are kind of on the cusp of taking the leap into their own self-employment versus staying in employment is often that they're worried that it's going to be too stressful, too Mm -hmm. up and down. So coming from a place where it felt very damaging for your mental health to going to being self-employed. Did you find that it gave you the reprieve that you were looking for? Did you find that it was easier? Initially? Yeah. And
1: I think my situation was different because I was so, so broken when I started, I I was at my rock bottom and there was nowhere else to go. I couldn't go down any further so, for me, what I needed was that time and space away from shoving my emotions down. I had just been through some personal trauma in my family, and I needed to process those emotions and I also had physical side effects from that stress and so i was I was really in a bad place, and that was 2018 um, March of 2018 and so so for me i I mean because I started without any clients again, definitely not recommended course of action, but <laughs> On the plus side, it did, it gave me time and space. Like I could sleep in, I could rest, I could read, I could watch TV. I watched a lot of TV that year because that's all I could do. And, you know, and some years are just like that, you know, not, I'm not knocking that. That's just how it was. But I also had time and space to go to my doctor and to work through my health issues, which then slowly started along with counseling. I went to counseling as well. So all those things, I slowly put myself back together mm-hmm. while. I worked on a few things like on the side here and there for my business, but I had that time and space that I needed to get back to being a whole person. And so then that set me up and prepared me for the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur that came in 2019, 2020, and will continue to, that's just part of being an entrepreneur is having those ups and downs. It's never going to go away. But I think for me, I was in such a bad place that Having no clients when I started with, you know, hardly any clients, mm. was a good thing because it allowed me to heal myself. That was my unique situation, and then that prepared me to going into the ups and downs. So I would say, being an entrepreneur is so much harder than being an employee because, you know, you're an employee. You obviously you're trying to angle: how do I move up? How do I do a good job? How do I make my boss happy? How do I navigate my coworker relationships? But at the end of the day, there's still going to be a paycheck unless you screw up or you get let go, which are things that you don't have as an entrepreneur. You don't have the fear of getting let go. But there, there is still going to be, for the most part, a guaranteed number coming into your bank account every two weeks. But as an entrepreneur, it is so up and down and the success is really riding on you which is a double-edged sword. It's both a good thing and then it's also both a negative thing too. So I, it, it, they've got their they've got their trade-offs And so for me going back to like the question of you know how did I prepare for that? I think I had to put myself together as a person first
0: and then that prepared me to take on those challenges. I love that. and I think that what you said about it being a two-edged sword is absolutely right because from my experience as well, it's when you're, employed you don't have control it's nice you know that you've got your paycheck coming but then on the flip side when you're self-employed you have that control and you can have that flexibility Mm -hmm. that if you need some time to look after your mental health you can whereas when I was employment and like my mental health was up and down for many years for various reasons um And I'm quite a sensitive person as well. So I can absolutely relate to what you were saying there. And I had a couple of really bad experiences with bosses, let's say, Mm -hmm. that it was um, really tricky because trying to put yourself together again and trying to manage and process these huge bundles of emotions that are difficult for other people to hear about if you decide Mm -hmm. you're even feeling that strong to talk to them you just don't have the space. You don't feel like you have the headspace either to kind of take that time because there's that expectation of, okay, that's cool. But when are you coming back? Like you can take some time. It's fine. You can have some sick time, but when are you coming back? Whereas Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, it can be, okay, cool. I need some time and end of discussion. I give myself the permission to have the time that I need. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you do have that trade off between, Kind of financial, but exactly like you said, I think it's just being prepared for as best as you can those ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of them are more of an emotional roller coaster than anything else.
1: Oh, oh 100%. It, it doesn't help when you're an emotional person anyway where you know this even this year I would have some months where I'm like life is great I'm doing great and then the next month everything sucks I'm gonna fail I'm gonna go bang you know it 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 was just completely my emotions of course but yeah
0: yeah I get that I mean month by month day by day hour (laughs) by hour 2020 guys it's been a beaut did you find that your experiences with kind of that time that you gave yourself and that experience from, and the driving purpose between leaving corporate to being um, a self-employed business, did you find that actually maybe helped you set up some boundaries in place that were probably more beneficial than a lot of people will find? Because I found, I didn't really put any boundaries in place until I had gone through them, but Mm. I feel almost like from some of the things that you were saying, you were quite clear on how you wanted your business to run. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I would have recognized it at the time, but
1: I walked into my business knowing that the reason why I was doing that was because I wanted to have space for those ups and downs mm-hmm. because I knew that, you know, I, I will heal. I will make it through the season but I am always going to have ups and downs. They may not be as down as I am right now, you know, at at this point in 2018, when I said this, but Mm -hmm. I may not be as down as I am right now, but it's always going to go up and down. You know, I'm going to have health problems or I'm going to have emotional instability, you know, whatever. And it's mental health challenges. It's just going to, it's just going to be how I am as a person. And so I want to have time and space for that because that's, that's how I best operate. That's how I best function. And so I think I did go into the business knowing that that, was a priority where I've never taken on too well I don't know part of me wants to say like I've never taken on too much work but then I you know December's absolutely slammed but I think for me even when I take on a lot of work I I'm still really good at recognizing I need margin in my life and my schedule Mm. so I ever since I started my business I've rarely worked past you know, a certain time of the night, you know, I, I usually turn off around 5pm. And if I have to work late, like last night, I worked a little bit late, I shut it off by like 830. I'm like, that's it, I'm done. You know, and so I did go into that knowing I had certain boundaries where I needed to protect myself and my space, and my margin and my own schedule and personal life to make sure that I could, you know, be be the kind of person that this, this is why I started my business was so that I could allow myself to have these ups and downs. And so that was, that was a big boundary that I drew without really realizing it until probably
0: a few months or years into the business. i realized that is a firm boundary for me. It's such an important one as well. And it's, it's one that I think many people really struggle with doing. And I think, like you said, I think it's you look back and realize that you started putting it in place more Mm -hmm. often than realizing like, oh, okay, no, this is not acceptable anymore. It's kind of Mm -hmm. something that gradually creeps in. So yeah, that's really interesting. So when it comes to your business, we've talked a lot about kind of the hardships that you faced and the reasons why Mm -hmm. you started it. But when it comes to the successes that you've experienced along the way, are there kind of things that have happened that were outside of that initial vision that you had for your business that took you by surprise?
1: Yeah, I think, I think for the most part, I've still been going in the general direction, but 2020 was a good year for me. Like, and I feel bad saying that, but I had, I had my 2020, like I had it in 2017, like where you, you name it, it went wrong. And so, so it's actually been nice to have like a good year because I'm like, I I can look back with empathy on everyone who's had a rough twenty twenty, and be like, dude, I have been there. That was that was my year three years ago. But for me, um, some things that really took me by surprise this year, I I didn't expect to dive into brand strategy. I didn't even know that was a thing, to be honest. I knew that I enjoyed branding, and I enjoyed that and that carried over from my days at Disney with the storytelling which is why I named my business author because telling a story and have something meaningful a little bit quaint and vintagey feeling in the name author you think of like a quill pen so (laughs) maybe that's just (laughs) no
0: I love it I hope you get a quill
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually do well I have like the uh I have the I'm looking at it right now I have the uh Oh gosh, what's it called? The dip pen for like dip pen calligraphy. Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, I I love that kind of calligraphy. I just feel like a founding father or something from you know the early days of America. I don't know, but <laughs> um, so so for me with that vision though, um, I never expected to get into brand strategy because I didn't know that was a thing. But I knew I loved the storytelling and um, you know, from Disney, and so that's something I kind of started to do. But then once I discovered that, it was. It was about a year, year and a half ago at this point that I discovered brand strategy is a thing and as soon as I realized it I thought oh my gosh like yes this is this is what I do I just didn't know it had a name. Yeah. And that was that was a really big turning point for me to really find my niche, find my specialty, find what I was really best at and to hone in on that. And so that was something that I hadn't expected to find. And that, that really helped me go on this big high that carried me through
0: 2020. And I feel like we'll continue into next year as well too. That's great. And I think that it's wonderful that you had, like 2020 has been a mixed year. And I think mm-hmm. that it's too quick for a lot of people to just write off the entire year. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I've actually had a reasonably good 2020. Like there have been things that have happened this year that have just been amazing. And I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that you can embrace that and you can celebrate that and share that with the listeners. Because I'm sure that it's almost like now it feels awkward to say that you've had a good year. Yeah. But similar to you, like I, my, my 2020 was in 2018. Mm -hmm. So it's like when, when was your 2020? Was it actually in 2020 or was it some other time?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. But yeah, I think that it's wonderful. And I think that it's great that you have found something as a, as a natural evolution of your business mm-hmm. that fits perfectly in with kind of that core of why you started it. Brilliant. So when it comes to how your business has changed, So we've talked a little bit about the boundaries that you set and the reasons why you started your business. And we've talked about kind of the evolution that you've had into brand strategy. Is there kind of any other fundamental changes that have happened from when you initially were like, you know what, I'm going to start out on my own to now?
1: Yeah, I think,
0: gosh, there's a lot of things
1: I could put on there. I think one of the biggest ones for me was shifting my mindset from being a freelancer to being a business owner. Mm-hmm. Even though I did technically start a business, it wasn't until about a year, year and a half in that I really started to call myself and think of myself as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And I think that came with confidence that came with really being bought in and sold in on my own vision of what I wanted this business to be. For, for the first year I was in business, I just wanted to give up. Like I did not want to be doing this. I wanted to go back, you know, to, I wanted to go back to working at Disney because I absolutely loved when I worked there as a designer, it was, it was a really wonderful experience. And so I just wanted to go back to the stability and security. So honestly I wasn't even bought into my own my own dream, my own vision of having a business. And it really took me a long time to really dive into that and to say, okay, I'm going to own this and I'm going to work at this. And this, this, this is a thing that I want to be doing. It took me a long time to get there. I think confidence was a big part of that. Um, and, and I think it was hard. It was, it was kind of a struggle to find clients at the beginning and I was just kind of freelancing, taking on whatever. But then once I found that niche of brand strategy and really understanding what exactly I do, how exactly I can help my clients, what the value I really bring to them is, then that gave me the confidence that I needed to call myself. I'm a business owner. I'm solving a specific problem for people. And I know the kind of work that I want to be doing and the kind of work that I don't want to be doing. And so having, and that comes with a lot of confidence, honestly, because then you're confident to say yes to the right projects and confident to say no to the wrong kinds of projects. And so that was a big turning point for me where I shifted from this mindset of being a freelancer to being a business owner. And so that was, that was kind of a really interesting thing that took
0: place over the last couple of years with that. That's a really interesting shift. And I think that is one that a lot of people can relate to as well, because being a business owner feels like, I don't know, it feels almost like there's more responsibility than <laughs> being a freelancer almost, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I mean, here in the UK, I don't quite know how it works in the states, but in the UK, you can be a sole trader, which is like you're responsible for everything mm-hmm. within your business. But you can then be limited, which I think the equivalent is LLC. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. So where you're, you as a person and your business are kind of separate entities. So mm-hmm. your business can have business accounts, and your business can be responsible things that you as a person aren't. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean. I can relate to the whole freelancer versus business owner. And then it was taking it to the next step where it's like, okay, so I'm a business owner, but am I going to go limited? Am I going to be a company? Cause there's like a cost implication and all of these other things that come along with it. And each time it feels like, it feels like a video game where it's like, right, I've just leveled up. Like, this is my next set. (laughs) These are my next set of stats. This is what's happening now. It's like, what comes next? So you talked about it kind of being a gradual change. Do you looking back, do you think that there's like a key moment when you were like, Oh, so actually this is what I want. I no longer want to go back to that life of full-time employment. Was there kind of a key, a key moment for you?
1: There actually was. Yeah. I had been to a business conference. Um, so this was a year ago. So, um, a year ago this past October, but So back when we could actually travel for things, (laughs) (laughs) back in the good old days of traveling and meeting up in person. But um, so I went to this business conference for female entrepreneurs, and it was. And I think in that moment, I, I had, I was driving my car and just kind of thinking. I get a lot of inspiration driving my car. just kind of thinking about stuff. All the music's in the background, and I had this realization of like, I'm actually on the path that I'm meant to be. And maybe this is for a purpose and maybe this is exactly where I need to be. And so that, that was a very specific key turning point. I think I finally felt a click in myself um, where I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I am not going to look back and wish things had gone differently. I'm not going to look back and wish that, you know, I, because um, when I worked at Disney, I got laid off due to budget cuts And then I had another job before I left. So I I had a job at an ad agency, which is the job I left to start my business. And so I'd always, I wish I had gotten laid off because of the budget cuts. I wish this, I wish that, you know, I wish I could go back. And I just, I decided to say, you know what? I think that all has a reason and a purpose. And I am exactly where I need to be. And I'm going to actually run towards this in the future. So that was a really, that was a really specific moment for me of just embracing, making peace with the past of the dreams that hadn't happened and finally burying those and saying, you know what, I'm actually really glad it worked out because there's so much ahead that I don't even know that I know is just going to be amazing. And that would not have happened if
0: life had gone the way that I wanted it to go. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's such a powerful statement as well as kind of that you are where you need to be. And I think that that's something that it's really easy to get caught up in what hasn't worked in the past and mm-hmm. it's really caught up to what you want to happen in the future and like that fear as a business owner as to what's going to happen in the future but being present with everything that's happening and everything that has come and will come I think is really important to like take that moment to really appreciate and just kind of like marinate and where you're at in your mm-hmm. business because you know starting a business is a scary thing um,
1: oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. It, it, I don't think it ever stops being scary. Mine's three years <laughs> in now and I'm still sat here every now and then going, wow. Okay. This is uh this is happening. But I think yeah. that, yeah, being present, I think can really help with perspective. Um, cool. I would love now, cause we've talked a lot around the business. We've talked a lot around where you started. I'd love to talk about branding with you. I mean, yeah. a lot about branding in the last episode as well, but and um, I realized after I sent over kind of some of the prompts and the questions that I tend to cover with my guests, like they're going to be slightly different for us because you would have created your own branding, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I do have like, I'd love to know your insights when it came to creating your brand. I know it can be the hardest thing in the world, creating for yourself, what you do as a living. How did you find it when you were creating kind of your visual, your visual branding?
1: So my visual brand has actually evolved quite a bit since I started. Um, I'm on my third logo, which I feel really embarrassed saying that as a brand designer. But that's because, again, because I wasn't clear on any of this. Because I started because I didn't know what brand strategy was. I just knew visual design is important. It gives you professional image. End of story, right? Well, no. But so so I did come up with like an initial mood board for my first iteration of my brand and its first logo and it wasn't quite communicating the positioning again going back to our last episode on positioning but wasn't quite positioning to the right people that I wanted it to be and so I changed it to something else but it wasn't something that I it was going too far the opposite direction and, um, so, that, and so then I had like a new color palette and so then for this last version that I did last year once I was more clear on my brand, then I kept the new color palette and just changed the logo back to something that was a good mix of the first two that I really felt like communicated, you know, kind of my positioning a little bit, communicated my brand's personality. And it's something for me, it's still something is that that is still evolving over time. And I, I think a lot of designers get really stuck on trying to make it perfect. And I think I went the opposite direction. When I started my business, I knew that that's such a trap. And I was like, honestly, like the logo doesn't really matter all that much. Like it kind of matters, but it just needs to be something that's up there. Like the whole brand as a whole is what matters. And that's actually something I tell my clients now where I'm like, look, you know, we, we can get stuck on the logo, but what your clients are really going to see is the forest. They're not going to be looking at the specific trees. They're going to be looking at the whole forest. And so for me, it's something that I've always kind of held with a little bit of a looser hand, but I don't know if it's good or bad or not as a designer. But it's something that I've held with a bit looser hand because I'm like, you know what, I know that the exact curves on the logo or, you know, the exact way it looks, it's it's really not like a game changer. Like it's got it's got to have a certain level. It's got to have a certain look. It's got to have a certain style to appeal to the right people. Sure. And to reflect my positioning. Sure. But what really matters is the whole brand. And, you know, the visual cues that are communicating what that positioning is, what that story is, what my purpose and mission are. So those things for me are more important than the exact look and feel. But it, it is something where, you know, I'm happy with the look and feel now. I think it kind of communicates like this good balance of cleanliness. It's, it's clean, it's professional, it's modern. Um, I'm starting to weave a few more like kind of creative bohemian like styles into it through stock imagery and maybe some you know ancillary fonts that are not main brand fonts so it's something that i kind of have gone it's, it's evolved a lot over time and i feel like it's in a good place now because i'm clear on my business and my brand but i i'm sure it will continue to evolve it's like we talked about in the last episode where the core of the brand is still going to stay the same it's just, in make it may get a facelift over time. And I think that's always tempting as a designer. Like I, I want to tweak it. I want to fix it. I'm always like, oh, I want to change it because I like so-and-so's brand and I want mine to look like theirs. And so sometimes I will kind of evolve mine um, in slight ways, but it's really just basically trying to keep it the same so it's consistent. Is um, saying, hey, you know, what they're doing is great for them, but I need to stay true for what's true for my brand and what I'm trying to communicate and, you know, who I am and, you know, the kind of clients that I'm serving. And so remembering to stay true to that is always a key part of that and kind of helps curve, uh, helps curve my uh, shiny object syndrome, as
0: they call it, and wanting to change my color, change my fonts like every month or two. I completely relate, completely relate. And if it makes you feel any better, I'm te- I am on my third logo as well.
1: Okay, oh, That does make me feel better. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like my first logo lasted maybe a month and i was just like no doesn't work don't like it something just so i loved it and then i just mm-hmm. suddenly realized that i absolutely hated it <laughs> and then i developed it and then i rebranded this year and i can absolutely relate and it was one of the things that i was going to ask it's like when you're creating designs and branding for other clients and when you're doing the research phase and like that mood board and looking at all these fonts and all of these new colors and this way of putting it together Do you get that pang of kind of, well, actually this would work quite nicely for mine?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally, totally. I do that with personal projects. So Mm. I do like to do personal projects from time to time, which is where I just give myself like a fake business or maybe a real one and then I'll rebrand it. Yeah. And I'll just do whatever I want and I'll explore like the new trendy style that I really want to be exploring with and playing with whatever. And it's so easy to look at all those and say, oh, I wish I could do this. And I wish I could change that. And I think I think it's easier to do that for clients than it is for ourselves because we always need someone on the outside looking in and helping us examine and explore. I, I recently did a brand strategy session with a friend who is, she's a photographer, but she's really creative. She's really savvy with branding and design. And she was like, I just need help. Like I need someone to look at this from the outside on the end. And I think that's why it's hard for us as designers because we typically, we we either don't have someone else to do that for us, or we don't ask for that help Mm -hmm. from design friends or whatever. And it's us trying to look at ourselves and our business and come up with all those things. And it's really hard for us to know ourselves the way that we can know another person and see things clearly from the outside because it's just us. And I think also, you know, and maybe this is just me, but I've never really taken that time to go that deeply. It's something that I've evolved and grown and learned over time. And so on on one hand, it's been beneficial because I know, I know about branding. I know about strategy and positioning and messaging. And it's something that I'm always able to understand and continue to implement immediately in my business because I understand it. So I don't necessarily need to sit down and have this eye-opening process because it's always something I'm aware of and working on. But for a client who's not aware of that, working with someone to undercover that process is super helpful because they go from having no understanding to implementing it. On the flip side as a designer, because we're always working on it over time, we're not actually dedicating like a, a like uh, set apart time and space to really uncover that and go deeply. So, so we may always be evolving and tweaking and perfecting on the fly, but we may not actually be going that deep. And it's hard because it's just us. We're not asking someone to go deep into
0: that with us. So it's, there's, there's pluses and minuses to being a designer, doing your own brand for sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I actually, I actually, I gave myself the task when I rebranded earlier this year that I was going to sit down and I was going to do a strategy session with myself and I tried it and oh my goodness it was like the most difficult thing that I've ever done because like you said it's like because it's what we do it's Mm -hmm. almost like you do things without thinking about it because you Mm -hmm. know that it feels aligned and it and I think that for me, the way I try and articulate it is when I'm looking at the strategy side of things for me and my staff and close to me, it's almost like you do it by feel like, you know, what feels good and you know, what doesn't feel good when it's, when you're doing it with a client, you can't quite do that because it's not mm-hmm. you that's feeling it is trying to like communicate. You have to communicate it better. Um, yeah. And I sat down and I did this strategy session and it took me like three or four attempts because it was just so hard. And now my business has changed completely anyway. So it kind of <laughs> feels like I went through all of this process and I'm like, well, there are key bits that I can keep, but there are other things that have evolved to the point where I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to go and do that again. And I don't want to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Fun, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird feeling jealous of the brands that you're creating for other people. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh man, I wish this was mine. (laughs) (laughs) So when it does come to your brand strategy, I know that you touched on this already. When you started um, actually exploring strategy as something that you were offering, did you Mm -hmm. find that that really... Gave you a new insight into your business? Was that something like? Did you feel that that gave you a deeper look into it?
1: Yeah, I feel like more of being an insight. It was more of a challenge because then, because then, I realized, oh, I'm going this deep with my clients. I need to go this deep with myself too. And so, it was something that kept me accountable to going that deep as well. It's something that always brought that need back in my face of you know, I, I need to understand because it's so easy for me to, you know, write messaging for my clients, for instance, and to understand, you know, what they do, how they serve, how they show up in the world. And then I look at my own website and my own messaging and I think, well, how do I do this? Like, I don't know. And so it's, it's obviously been something that's been challenging in a good way to keep me accountable to going through and asking those questions of myself too, and saying, okay, how, how do I show up in the world? Like, why do I enjoy building brands? And whenever I've asked myself those deep questions and come to those realizations, it's really paid off a lot. And I do do think being aware of that process has made it easy for me to ask those questions of myself. It's just the doing it is the hard
0: part. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that that's a really important point is that you need to check in with your brand every now and then. Like, I mean, listeners, if you're a brand designer or not, if you're into branding or not, it always pays just to check in every now and then just to have a look, see how you feel, see what your reaction to it is alongside the reaction of everyone else that's around you. And um, Amy shared a really good task, like a litmus test in the last episode on how to kind of understand where you are, with your brand positioning. So maybe you could apply those principles to how you are feeling about like how you feel you're connecting with your brand as well. Because it can and it does change over time. I mean, 2020 is a bit of an anomaly, but anyone who started their business for more than about six months, I think can appreciate just how different the business tends to be mm-hmm. from where yeah. you started, even if it's just you as a person changing and your business is exactly what you planned. I feel like as business owners, we evolve and develop just as much as our businesses do.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Totally.
0: Awesome. So we've talked around kind of visual branding and we've talked around brand strategy, but when it comes to marketing, which is obviously one of the outcomes of doing all of this branding work, is there a particular marketing method that you found for growing your business that has been like super effective that you've really enjoyed?
1: Yeah, for me, I, I really appreciate marketing and networking when it's relational, when it's casual and I can build like authentic connections. And for me, one thing that's been really great has been um, working in Facebook groups. And so I have this one Facebook group I'm a part of that is part of a tight knit community. Um, you know, we, we pay a membership to be in this group through a different source and it's a smaller community. And I think because I've been able to build relations, like authentic relations and connections with people, that's been really awesome. And it's built a lot of trust. And so it's a lot of people to trust me, get to know me, um, and to build that trust before they ever book my services. And so that's been really awesome to get to be a part of that. And to really, you know, be able to show up and say, how can I give value? How can I show up in this community? How can I you know, serve and give back before I start asking for something. So that's, I think for me, it always has to be relational. I hate networking, networking events. I hate the formality of it, but I love like the one-on-one relationships. And so that's where I'm my strongest is whenever I can market or network in a relational setting. That's when, that's when that's always been really great. So that's, that's been a great avenue. And then Uh, My Instagram, I've been growing my Instagram a lot this year, especially the fall. Um, For me, the big turning point was outsourcing help for that. So, hiring somebody to do the strategy part of it, to help me come up with content. And then I, you know, put my own stamp on it, I create it, I give my own takes on it. But having somebody to help keep me accountable to doing that and then to guide the overall strategy and the long term growth of that was huge. So, asking for help is always always such a payoff when it comes to marketing and growing your
0: business. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I could not agree more. And I remember being a fledgling business owner and believing like 100% believing in my heart and soul that if I didn't do everything myself, then Mm -hmm. I wasn't a proper business owner. Oh my gosh. So true. So true. And now I'm just like, hey, accounts go like social media strategy. Yes, please help me with that. Like I've got friends that I like do lots of work like we kind of help each other out and stuff and like help me with my messaging does this sound right help me with my goals and it's always it's having that mutual place to bounce off and like you said it is absolutely about relationships I think networking 2020s kind of put a bit of a kicker in it but it doesn't mean that you can't still network Mm -hmm. I think that it is just identifying that networking doesn't mean attending networking events. Networking means building those relationships with other other people.
1: So true. So true.
0: Absolutely. So cool. So we've covered kind of quite a lot of your business journey, but if there was one key piece of advice from everything that you've gone through and everything that you've experienced and the way that you've built your brand and your business, what would that be that you'd share with the listeners?
1: I, I would want to tell everyone who is wondering, like, can I do this? Is this actually going to work? Like, I've just started. Maybe it's not what I imagined. Just keep going. I, you know, I really, when I started my business, I expected, I had read all those stories of people who were like, I doubled my salary, my first year of business. And I thought, okay, that must be how this goes. And it was not. I, <laughs> I made a very small amount of money in my first year of business, and then my second year I made about the same amount of money, but I worked twice as hard for it. And and then this year in 2020, I'm on track to triple what I made last year, so um, three times growth. And then next year it's going to be it's going to be huge as well too. And I I have numbers to show that I believe next year can be really successful. And that's only because I kept going because I was like, well, you know, I'm not going bankrupt yet. So, you know, I'm not in debt. I'm still paying the bills. I just got to keep going. And so for me, you know, it, it's so easy to look and compare our journeys to everyone else's and to say, oh, so-and-so is hitting six figures. So-and-so double their salary. So-and-so has this great lifestyle, whatever. And to look at ourselves and our journey and to say, wow, you know, I've been in business for, you know, two years, three years, and I'm barely breaking even or, you know, I'm not making what I want to be making. Or I'm, you know, not serving the kind of people I want to be serving yet. Just keep going because it takes a while and we all have our own different stories. You know, as I shared, the my first year was just me, like, going to the doctor, going to counseling, watching a lot of TV. Like, I, I, I wasn't performing. I wasn't working full-time at my business. I couldn't. And so for me, like, that was my story. And so my story is going to be very different from someone else's who built up a side hustle and then took the break full time and then, you know, doubled their salary in a couple months, whatever. So, but I think it's just really important to just keep going as long as all signs are pointing to that this thing is actually, it's staying afloat and is not a complete and total dumpster fire, you know, because there are some points where maybe, you know, you do need to say, okay, I'm not financially making ends meet or, this isn't serving my family, whatever. But I think for most people, you just need to keep going and to keep plugging away and to embrace each season. And I really, I really saw, um, I really saw in 2019 or, uh, yeah, 2019. I saw in 2019 that I was in like a planting season. I was planting the seeds. I knew that the growth would come in time. And so I recognized where I was, And I saw that and I embraced that that's where I was. I'm not going to see growth immediately, but I've got to just keep going and do the small things day after day, like going to the gym regularly where you're not going to get like a six pack, you know, or you're not going to lose a bunch of weight or gain a bunch of weight, whatever your goals are at the gym by going once or twice, you're, it's going to come by doing that day after day, year after year. And so I took that approach to my business and said, I just have to keep going, keep showing up baby step by baby step. And then in 2020, I recognized that I was moving into that growing season. And so again, it it wasn't, you know, hitting pinnacles of success, but it just meant I had to keep going, keep growing, keep stoking that growth and nurturing it. And then you know, that, so I always recognized what season I was in and embraced that. And I think just keep going, know what season you're in, embrace it, recognize if you're in a planting season and you just need to be faithful to showing up and doing the small things day after day, or maybe you're in a growing season and you just need to hang on and not expect it to take off. But just again, keep nurturing that growth, keep you know, looking down the long-term vision and keep going on that. But
0: yeah, I would say know a season you're in and just keep going. That's such an important message. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that with us as well. I think that it's, yeah, I think that it's really important to acknowledge the fact that businesses generally are here for the long haul and it takes that patience and that dedication to really kind of keep showing up even when it feels a little bit tough for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much with us today, Amy. I really appreciate it. I found your story fascinating and like seeing where you are now and where you're on track to going Mm -hmm. is just hugely inspirational. Um, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram um, That's where I spend
1: most of my time. Well, not literally, because um, that would be a lot of time. But um, my online presence, Instagram, is where I spend my time. So you can find me at Author Brand Studio. That's author as in writing a story. So Author Brand Studio or my website where I blog about once a month and post updates. That's authorbrand.studio is that address. So Instagram and website are two places that I hang out online.
0: Amazing. And listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Amy, I will pop all of the links in the show notes as always so you can go and find out more and keep up to date with her blogs and Instagram posts. She shares a lot of content around strategy that I love. So I'm sure that you'll you'll learn a lot from, from following along. Thank you again for joining us today, Amy. It's been brilliant. Yeah, thanks so much, Jamie awesome so listeners tune in next week where we're going to be talking about embracing your version of success what that could look like and how you can build that within your business without adding any overwhelm so definitely want to tune in for. until then i'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode so head on over to instagram or our facebook community and we can continue the conversation in the brand lounge